This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell for the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Meg Bignall, welcome to Better Reading. Thank you, Cheryl. It's lovely to be here. Um, so many talents. Oh, I'm not <laughs> sure about talents, just trying. Well, well um, you were a nurse, a television weather presenter, an actress, before you surrendered to a persistent desire to write. And I really want to talk about that because mm-hmm. out of all of those, I'd imagine writing is the hardest. I don't find it the hardest. Yeah, okay. But... Um, Perhaps if from a disciplinary point of view, it might be the hardest. Yeah. But it's the one I love the most. Yeah. Okay. Since um, uh, since she's been writing, and, and writing almost every day, um, uh, Meg has written and acted in three short films as well, including A Quiet Tomorrow and Hormones, the musical, which was broadcast on the ABC. Meg also sings and occasionally writes and performs cabaret and lives with her family on the dairy farm on Tasmania's east coast. So you obviously don't sleep much. (laughs) Um, I don't need a heap of sleep. Right. Although once a fortnight I need to have an early night. Oh, once a fortnight. Because a dairy farm is also, I'd imagine, a lot of work. Yes, it is, but um, I don't milk the cows. No. And um, still work though. It is. It's still um, an operational farm, and I have to sort of play the supportive role. But I must say, I don't spend a lot of time in the dairy. Yeah. I get the occasional cow in when it's out. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm there as um, wife and mother. Okay, another big job. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, Meg is also a newly published author. So this is your de- debut novel. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Sparkle Pages. It's released, I think, today. Yes, is that today. Right? Congratulations. Yep. Thank you. A wonderfully original, heartfelt and funny tale. The Sparkle Pages charts one woman's mission to reignite the passion in her marriage and rediscover herself at the same time. Okay, wow. So let's start about how your career began. So you decided you were going to be a nurse. Yes. I, Why? I wasn't really sure what to do yeah. and um, very indecisive. I really loved drama and acting, but I come from a family that don't have um, – well, at that stage I thought they weren't all that creative. Um, farmer, father, lawyer, mother. Yeah. And um, I, it didn't seem like such a good idea to pursue acting at that stage. And also I wasn't a wonderful drama student. I just really loved it. So – I went into, I finished school and I really just wanted to get a job. Mm-hmm. And Where ne- were you? I was um, in Hobart. Mm-hmm. Born and bred? Yes. Well, I lived, um, my father had a farm in the Derwent Valley in oh, Tasmania. Beautiful. Right farm. on the river. Yeah. Yes, beautiful. And um, I grew up there. Right. But, uh, commuted to school in Hobart and then um, when I left school, I just wanted to get a job where I could be independent 
And um, so I, nursing was at that stage plundered and short on recruits. So they were looking for nurses? Yes. Yeah. And I quite like the uniform. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like the job? It's a hard job and it's a thankless job. It's a really hard job. Um, and I went at the age of 19 straight into a very busy public hospital emergency department. Yeah, wow. um, And it was wonderful. You see everything there is to see. I came from a very happy, sheltered childhood. Yeah. And so it was quite good for me in a way. I'm not a very tough person. So it was quite good for me to um, see how the world operates. Any emergency department is really, it's you're at the coal front, aren't you? Yes, you really are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, so you have to learn to toughen up. Yeah. Or leave. Real quick. And at 19, mm. that's a big lesson, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. It was really big, but it was, it was really good for me. And yeah. a lot of my um, inspiration still comes from those days. I worked yeah. in trauma for seven years in the end. See, that's even harder, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I went on to do a trauma certificate at um, the Alfred in Melbourne, yeah. which really was coalface stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of the end of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, but I think you do get worn out, don't you? I think you do. I think it's You're a very... You're on your feet for how many hours a day? Yes, well, if you do it, yeah, eight-hour shifts. Um, but yeah. it's a really undervalued job. Yeah, absolutely. Very important and undervalued, a bit like teaching. Yeah, mm. I agree. Um, okay, so then you got tired. Well, I I got restless. I'm yeah. a restless soul by nature, and I was finding that I was working with people that I just didn't want to turn into. The the level of cynicism about life, and um, mm. and I'd I would emotionally invest in even a short lived patient nurse relationship. Mm. And it was just too much, I think. Mm. So I um, found that I was writing and writing some of the experiences down as part of t just to debrief with myself. And um, oh, so you were writing whilst nursing? Yes, I'd been writing. Um, and tell a me lot about that. Through. Where did that come from? Were you writing and reading at a very young age? Yes, I was. Yeah, I enjoyed the humanities at school. So to go on and do a science degree was a little bit bewildering for my mum and dad. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, where did that come from? No. Yes, so I did lots of writing and reading. I, I remember reading Jane Eyre at quite a young age and loving it. Yeah. Still one of my favourite books. And I uh, wrote, I think as part of the university degree, the humanities side of it, writing journals and things as part of my nursing degree were the things that I was good at. I think I got 52% in human biology, Yeah. at which point my dad said, well, that was 2% too much effort Yeah. because <laughs> uh, that wasn't my love, my no. strength. So, I, I mean, it, it was a good thing to do. It's a great profession and it really fed into my life experience, but it probably would have been wiser to do an arts degree. Mm. Mm. And if mum's listening, she'll be saying, I told you so. And she will be listening at some point. Um, <laughs> I do think it's interesting, though, talking about the stories that come out of um, being a nurse. I mean, I haven't spoken to anyone that's had that as a career. I mean, I've spoken to so many writers. But I would say there's a lot of stories that can be told from that experience. 
There so, are so many and it's incredible how many just sort of surface. Yeah, and there's the stories of when you're with them and when you're nursing them and giving them the care that they need but also the story of what happens afterwards. You could just be so creative and just make that up because you don't, you know, don't know once they leave, do you? Unless you actively follow up, uh, which was rare yeah, because you tend to just have to move on, um, you don't know. No. And there, I still have images of you know, sort of final images that I wonder what happened, happened after that. And, I've been, you know, I'm, I haven't experienced a great deal of grief in my own life, but I'm fascinated by human reactions to grief. Yeah. And I've seen myriad of different reactions. Mm. Mm. And I guess so writing, coming home, I mean, it was, was it like offloading? It was. I mean, it didn't feel that way at the time. It was, it was just something that I did, but... I didn't sort of, I wasn't trying to find therapy or anything like that. I just wrote things down. And, yeah. But when I look back, yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you was, go back to those pieces that you've written? I haven't for years, but I've no. still got them. Yeah. Mm. yeah, really interesting to look and back at that. And those memories just pop up where I, you know, I think, gosh, I haven't thought about that for a long time. I mm. can't believe I remember it. Yeah, yeah. But yes. Okay, so tell me, so, what, so you left nursing and what was next? Well, I was on a... A long stint of night duty where I just thought, I've had enough. Mm -hmm. And I saw an ad for a copywriter with the local television station. And I just on a whim, I applied and I actually wrote um, an ad for myself. And I said something like, invite a healthy change into your workplace. <laughs> and oh, so advertising yourself for the yes. job. Yeah, nice. I advertised That's myself. Cute. Yeah. Um, and I sent us, because at that stage I was writing a few newspaper articles for my local newspaper, because uh, I vaguely knew the editor and he published things and I didn't need any pay, I just wanted yeah. to do it. So I sent in a few of those clippings and um, it must have got their attention because... Um, they employed me, which was yeah. amazing. So I left nursing and I went to a television station that paid me even less. Yeah. And also what a stark difference in terms of roles. It really was. It I was mean, they, there's hardly any similarities, are there? Uh, I can't think of any. No. No. No, there wouldn't be. So it's kind of your transferable skills, isn't it? Yes. And I think um, it took. it was a bit of a baptism of fire because you go from people that are in your hands to clients that you have to please yeah so again it fed into my life experience and it yeah. was i but met some great to, friends you have to be um thinking on your toes all the time don't you to be a copywriter i yes, mean what you was do. the pressure well you have to work really quickly very quickly and you have to be economical with your words which is not my strong point just ask my editor yeah um and you have to be quite witty and catchy. Well, yes, catchy. But although you know, it was community. It was local television, so there was a lot of ads for, you know, the local specials, the weekly specials at the butcher, right. that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. But and you have to get along well with the team. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, tell me, where, and were you still writing for yourself in that job, like in the evenings or whenever you? Write? Yes, I was at that stage. I'd um, I'd got a mentorship into a mentorship program with the Tasmanian Writers' Centre, I'd submitted, I think, about 500 words of, of a novel idea, mm -hmm. which actually wasn't a fully formed idea. It was just a bit of a, I'll just send in these words. 
And they, I think there were four young writers at that stage, I was in my twen early 20s, who got mentorships with existing writers. And, Can, and who were they? Can you remember? Um, so my mentor was a poet, a Tasmanian poet called Anthony Lawrence, who'd also written a novel. Um, and he mentored me to the end of the first draft. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was an interesting experience. And that novel went into a drawer. And has stayed there ever since. <laughs> it's pretty sort of melodramatic and um, trying to be clever. And so you didn't think at that point that you wanted it published or you? I don't really think I thought that would happen. That seemed like such a pipe dream. Yeah. Something that happened to much more grown up people than me. Um, so I don't think I had any particular ambition. I didn't feel thwarted when I got to the end of it. It was just another exercise. I did a lot of things where you start something and you have a go and then you start something else. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's practice, the practice mm. of writing. So. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was a good experience. It was one of those little opportunities. So I was doing that and then they offered me the role of weather presenter and I thought that I quite liked being in front of the camera and did a bit more acting and that mm -hmm. sort of took over and then the film and the script writing 
and um, everyone helped each other out on each other's films. Right. That's what we did. And, um, and you enjoy that? I, I found that I, I do enjoy it. I found that when it got to production time, I dread coming out of my writer's room. And right. it was so nerve-wracking for me because it was such a, there were so many cogs in play that something could go wrong and there was lots of money, you know. Yeah. It was expensive. So I'm, I really enjoyed it. It was absolutely exhilarating, but I'm so much more comfortable just writing. Being a writer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's definitely behind the scenes. Mm. So tell me where the idea of this book come, came from and how it came. Well, years ago, first of all, I was talking to another writer that lives in my district and he said, you know, Meg, if I had my time again, I think I'd write erotic fiction because I think there's some money in it. And I thought, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think there is. I don't yeah. think I'll do that. Fifty Shades of Grey. And yes. I, it was, would have been about six months later, Fifty Shades of Grey came out. So mm. he was right. Um, but I didn't want to write erotic fiction, but I did think to myself one day, you know, wouldn't it be funny if you set that sort of book but in a real marriage like would that sort of turn into comedy and and so I thought well maybe I could give that a go so I did actually start out writing quite an erotic book and but it's completely morphed into something else which happens apparently so talk to me about the process because it's not a screenplay. I mean, it is a fully-fledged novel. Mm. I mean, I think it's, what, about 80,000 words? Would that be right? Uh, it's a bit more than that. So oh, okay. it's uh, 400 pages. It's about 108. Yeah, that's a lot of words. Minutes, yeah. And very different to writing a screenplay, I'd imagine. Very different, mm. yes. Talk to me about that transition. Well, I with my because again, I didn't write this thinking that it was going to turn into something that would be published. Mm. I just wanted to. I wrote a blog, and the blog was all about me, and I really wanted to do something in a similar vein, but actually fictionalise it so that the stories were funnier and more interesting than real life. Mm. Um, so I kept that first person voice um, and nuanced it and gave it a bit of caricature and um, and just poured it all out and it sort of just... And it just came out. Mm, it really did. So the, how long did it take you to write? Well, I wasn't working full time on it. I was just sort of stealing time here and there, yeah. but so mostly writing at night, maybe let's, let's say it was an average of a couple of hours a day. It, it took me 18 months to get the first mm. draft. Mm. That's still pretty quick. And the first draft was... Longer than that. Right. So this is the edited version. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. We've had a few structural, major structural mm. rewrites and, um, and mm. further drafts after that. Mm. Okay. So why with this book did you feel happy about going out with it, whereas you haven't in the past? So what was that decision based on that you felt that you had something? I think I had more confidence in it. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, it made me laugh a lot. I don't know if that's a really bad sign. Um, but, and I'd read snippets to friends, and yeah, everyone was quite excited about it. And um, but I didn't really want anyone close to me to read it because I was worried that I'd put them in a difficult position. 
so eventually it was much easier to send 10,000 words to uh, Nikki Krista at Penguin Random House than it was to ask my sister to read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not easy. So how did you choose Nikki? How did that come about? Because I know and love Nikki. She's a great editor. Yes, yeah, she's wonderful. She's a great editor, mm. yeah. Uh, so I was just so lucky because my close friend Maggie McKellar, who lives in Tasmania, I'd met her through my sister-in-law and she and I hit it off and we decided that we'd meet once a week to try and motivate each other with our writing. Mm. And Which is really valuable, isn't it? It's so valuable. Mm. I mean, I just I wouldn't be here mm. if that hadn't happened. She was so encouraging and I think probably, you know, she's a published writer already so I'm not sure whether she got as much out of the friendship as I did but... Um, it was just wonderful and we do we still see each other once a week yeah. so um i did that and eventually it got to the point where i thought i don't know what else to do now with this and she said why don't you well she told nikki about it and nikki said i'd like to see something mm. so i mean that that's just how it started so that's incredible luck Mm-hmm. Well, it's also, it's not just luck, it's actually you doing the work as well. Well, that's that's true. I shouldn't, mm. um, I shouldn't detract from I think from that the work. you've made a really interesting point there regarding networking. I think that um, I, the more successful writers are those that belong to writing groups and know other writers. and Because otherwise it's a profession that's so isolated is how do you create the network? Yes. Isn't yes, it? I think it's really important. Yeah, it's not like a film set where you've got so many people around you. That's right, yeah. I think it's important. I think it's also important to remember not to overdo the network. I think mm. there are so many emerging writers' events and courses offered, which is wonderful, mm. but you probably can get a bit caught up in them and go mm. from one to the next to the next because eventually what you have to do is sit down and do and the right. Yeah. 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 That's that's interesting. That's I think that's a really good point as well. That yes, you need to have the craft of writing. Mm. Um, and you can learn about that as much as you like, but you actually have to sit down and write the book. Yes, you do. Yeah. You really do. It's important. I think my blog was a great help yeah. because um, I think for anyone wanting to write, it's a really good way to start. Yeah. If I don't have a massive following, but I've got a little lovely supportive network of followers in Tasmania, mm. um, and even just you know, just as an example, I was just doing the shopping one day in my local supermarket, and I was stopped by a woman who I vaguely knew and she said I've read your blog and I just think your writing is wonderful please keep going I'd love to see you write a book one day mm-hmm. and That's just good. that tiny little thing was enough to make me go okay yeah, you know I'm it was it. just a boost for that day maybe yeah. it didn't get me through the whole book but it was enough to make me you know, just little encouraging things yeah mm-hmm. so tell me about dairy farming well, my husband is second-generation dairy farmer. He's mm-hmm. been, his father... Was your father a dairy farmer? No, he was a hop farmer. Right, okay. Mm, in a different valley. Yeah. And um, so my husband, his father started with 12 cows at Brim Creek on the east coast of Tasmania and we now have 800. Yeah, wow. Mm. And what do you produce? We uh, So we produce our own brand of milk, Brim yeah. Creek Dairy, um, which is fresh white milk in just in southern Tasmania at the moment that's really new and we supply Fonterra which so multiple different dairy products wow yeah I've always I mean it is something that I I particularly like um 
and you, it is not that I'd ever have a farm of any shape or form, but I feel that there's, um, particularly in Tasmania, it's where f- food should come from. Yeah, it's um, it's got a wonderful reputation for freshness and purity and and it's quality. got the climate. Yes, yeah, it has. Yeah. Well, we, Brim Creek um, is traditionally dairy because it's meant to be in the shadow in a rain shadow. And it was, but rainfall everywhere is decreasing, so mm. it's becoming harder. Is it? Right. But yes, yeah, so we've had to drought-proof the farm, and you know, just in the last since I've been there, which is seventeen years, mm. so it, things farming's changing, mm. and it's becoming more challenging. You have to sort of invest. What because the weather's changing and weather yes, patterns are changing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and work practices are changing, and mm. so you know, you have to technology's changing. You have to. Uh, invest and innovate or get out mm. basically so it's and tricky. so I've got a, a vision of this beautiful property and you with a in a writing room somewhere is that how it looks <laughs> or you're at the kitchen uh, I am at my kitchen bench <laughs> yeah. but but it is beautiful mm. um, it, it really is a stunning part of the world and our uh, farm is coastal so we overlook Marion Bay on the east coast so the next bit of land is New Zealand yeah, and it's um, it beautiful. is very beautiful. So it's distracting. I have a garden, so yeah. I always want to be in the garden. Um, but walking around when I need to think about characters or story or something, walking up in the hills is really helpful. Yeah. It's, I feel very lucky. I've never really spent that much time living in cities, so I'm very much a country person. Yeah. Meg, thank you so much. It's um, such you're a pleasure. A, yeah, you're a country person, um, but you've written a fabulous um, book. It's There's so much in it. It's fun, though. It's largely fun. Thank um, you. And, uh, and it resonates um, with a bit of truth, and I guess that probably comes from you, um, <laughs> yeah. as all fiction um, does. Uh, so congratulations on your debut. It's out today, and I'm sure it's going to do fantastically Thank well. you so much, Cheryl. Thank you. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audio books are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.